My name is Phil Mendoza, and this is a championship bow hunting podcast fueled by Mountain Ops. Join me and my guests as we give you bow hunting tips to take your preparation to the next level. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 54. Today we've got some special guests from Pure Hunting, Chris Nowak and Willie Schmidt. But before we get to the episode, I have a few items I want to take care of. First off, letting everybody know the Alpha Bow Hunting pre-registration is now open. Check out championshipbowhunting.com, go to the store, and find your appropriate division. Um, We will have that pre-registration open through the end of April. Also, I want to take a minute to send a shout-out to today's episode partner. That's Hoyt Archery. Uh, Check them out at HoytArchery.com. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and get into the episode today, and let's talk some hunting. Welcome to another episode of Championship Bow Hunting. We've got hosts from Pure Hunting, Willie Schmidt, Chris Nowak, and am I pronouncing your name right? Nowak. So um, great guys. These guys visit my shop regularly. We're here in the shop, obviously, as you can see the targets in the background. So you may hear some arrows again clink in the back wall. We just had had one hit the top there. But... Hey guys, you're here on a kind of open house, you know, meeting some people here from the community. Um, but obviously, the, the the main topic that everybody wants to talk about is bow hunting, right? Just hunting. And one of your, your episodes from last season was last season. Yes. Uh, your mountain goat hunt that, that each of you went on, or you guys drew, drew tags in the same unit, both tagged out. It was a great episode. I, I really enjoyed it. But I wanted to talk to the to the to the listeners a little bit about how that kind of a hunt differs from like an elk hunt or uh, you know a whitetail hunt maybe just sitting in a tree seems like people out east that get to hunt whitetails a lot their dream is to come out west hunting in the west right and it's it's such a different experience so you chris you got out did quite a bit of scouting i know we talked tell me how that preparation is different from like a, an elk hunt or any other or any other type of hunt tell me how it's different um well you know the terrain's different uh, of course uh you know we're dealing with a once in a life you know not a once in a lifetime tag but a premium, took me tag. Th- premium tag 13 year draw so you want to put your homework in yeah you know and go in there and make sure it's you know uh you have an opportunity or whatnot but uh the terrain is just you know those goats are between 12,000 and 14,000 feet yeah and <clears throat> And they're in some of the rockiest, nastiest, deepest. You know, I've been. We've been on a few uh, Rocky Mountain sheep hunts, and you know they always say, "Well, you, you hide through the sheep country to get to the goat country." Yeah. Until you actually start chasing, you just realize the, the unbelievable country they're in. So, uh, this a lot of the scouting in that unique kind of situations, like when you're whitetail hunting, you don't worry about. I can't get to the deer. Right. I mean, you're not saying, well, I might die if I try to go across that cornfield. I mean, that's right. that's not part of your, you know, uh, pre-planning of the hunt. Sure. Whereas on that goat hunt, it was. It was like, okay, there's some goats. But unless I have harnesses and I'm, you know, Batman or Superman, I'm not getting up there. Yeah. You know, so it's just the, the train you just can't. You got to learn where can I hunt them, where can I can't, you know, access them, where can I can get to them, and then try to strategize along that way. So, so breaking down the terrain from being able to approach the animals to a stockable position, archery equipment, you know, limits your, your shot distance. Yeah. Tell me how your gear changed. I mean, did, did your gear change much, or is it kind of some, a lot of the same gear? Is it 
you know, is there any changes there for you guys? No, I would. I think it was most of the same. I mean, same packs, um, obviously same archery equipment, everything. You really wanted to make sure you had an angle compensating rangefinder. That was one that a lot of guys on the flatlands don't need. And you and I have talked. You really want to make sure your second and third axis on your bow sure. is dialed in because you're, you know, you're gonna have angles left and right, but you're also gonna have up and down potential. Um, the one thing I think we did not do, which we should have done, was had ropes and harnesses. We knew what we were getting to, but you just sort of assume, uh, and since you don't do it very often, this was my first time, of just taking that extra precaution, what if we have to go down a 50-foot cliff and the only way to do it is with the rope? That was probably the one thing we didn't have and would recommend people to have. You may not need it, but like a lot of things, it's better to have it and not need it than wished you to have it. And we were not able to go after Chris's uh, go to recover it until the day following because of the weather and the risk of the terrain. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... It's, uh, it's a different world up there once you get above tree line, you know, from the uh, altitude with just how it affects your body, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's acclimating to it, and that's something that I experienced this year sheep hunt. It's not that, you know, you prepare all year, and it's not that you ever can't do anything. It's just you can't do it as quickly, you know, is, is yeah. kind of what it comes down to. Yeah. You need to pace yourself because there's, there's you know, the oxygen's a little, it's a little different game up there. Yeah. But, you know, we, we look at it, we live at low 5,000, yeah. you know, of elevation, but we go up to 10, 11, 12 plus, and you see flatlanders that come out here, and they're not going from 6 to 12, they're going from potentially 1,000 to 10 when they're on an elk hunt, right? Yeah. So it's, it's significantly different, but that's just something I was curious about, too. I mean, did you guys... Yeah, I mean, I, I know really, you know, you train all year. We've had Chris in here on some workouts, too. We've got, we've got after it. So, you know, be, and then just being in the field scouting and hiking, yeah. you get yourself in that hunting shape doing that. Yep. So the elevation factor, was that ever an issue with you guys there? You know, like you said, it was, uh, you know, scouting, you know, primarily all summer, you know. Uh, so, yeah, you did get in shape, you know. And when you're at those altitudes for long periods of time, you know, we did acclimate it. So by the time the hunt started, we were in pretty good shape. But, like, I had a buddy just come out for, a, you know, a high uh, unit 76 elk hunt, which is the San Juans, which is the same area. And, uh, you know, we took our time. We came out. We spent a couple of days in Denver, a couple of days in Summit County, which was 9,000 feet, and then a couple of days, you know, finally in, in our hunting, and then... He uh, acclimated well, and he did okay, you know. But if he would have came, you know, right from the flatland to 12,000 feet and tried to hike up a mountain, he might have gotten some problems. Yeah, so that, and that's that's something that another friend of mine had a similar issue this year. So take note of that. Anybody that's potentially coming from lower elevation to higher elevation, give yourself plenty of time. And I, and I think it's important. I mean, a lot of guys have a week, and they can only devout a week, and we all understand that. But would you rather... Take a couple extra days or burn the first two days of your hunt acclimating yeah. or come right out and ruin and not even be able to hunt because you do get altitude sickness or you aren't prepared for it. Yeah, because yeah. it, it'll, it, it'll derail your hunt in a hurry. So yes. keep that in mind because it's not just making sure you have the right gear or, you know, the right arrow setup, a broadhead combination because none of that will matter if when you get up to whatever elevation, if your body can't handle it. So that's a great tip. But... In addition to that, we had Willie, I had you on an episode here recently. We talked about an experience to help other bow hunters learn from something. And Chris, I want to ask you, um, you know, as bow hunters, 
you know, we're limited to how many days we can spend in the, in the field based off of work and tags and a few other things. But being able to learn from another bow hunter's experience <laughs> could maybe help some guys, you know, uh, not have to learn things the hard way, right? But maybe sh share an experience well, with just, us or a story. Just this last ball, Willie uh, and I were up in Wyoming elk hunting, and I had this elk at 40 yards for 10 minutes. It's a spike. It wasn't big. I wasn't excited. But, you know, I'm like, okay, there he is. And he brought, finally got broadside. So I was, I dialed in, you know, and I put my pin just right on him, squeezed the release. Everything was perfect. And arrow just went right, zipped right over his back. Well, I had a green 40-yard pin, and I had a green 60-yard pin. So I had seven pins on my ball. And I've done this before, and it's like, you really got to pay attention and stop and go, what pin am I using, you know? Um, I know Willie uses one site, and then he, you know, adjusts it. I prefer multiple pins. Uh, that's just my preference. Uh, but in the heat of the moment, you gotta pay attention, pay attention. to what, what, especially if you got multiple pins with multiple guns. And that, that, yeah, that's a great topic. You know, that, that's almost an episode on its own because <laughs> yeah. the benefits of a movable site is less clutter. You know, yeah. you can dial a yardage exactly right on. Yeah. But what happens in that? heat of the moment where an animal maybe started it came to 35 you moved your site and maybe it moved out to 55 in the process and now your peg is aware and you can't move your site anymore. you can't even move let alone move your site so there's there's pluses and minuses to everything right but no that, that's a great that's a great topic like i said and i'm fighting myself because i'm playing with different sites right now it's, it's i've been doing it for the last month it's it's middle of march now and I, what I've learned over the last, I'm going to say probably six to seven hundred arrows shooting a movable site. I don't know that it, I'm the right person right now to shoot a movable site for for what the kind of hunting that I like to do. Right. Sitting in a tree stand or a ground blind, I'm 100% comfortable with that. But hunting from the ground with so many variables, right? It's I I, I like the the multiple pin, three to five pin with the driver. I've been playing with that spot hog with that, that two pin, and I like the site. I just don't know that I'm ready for that yet, you know, because of those pluses and minuses. Well, I adjusted, and like say there's hybrids, three pins, five pins, whatever, you can customize it. Yep. But the ironic thing about that uh, Wyoming hunt is Chris and I were having that conversation just days before. And I've gone back and forth. I'm not switching from the single pin. I really like that. Yep. Chris, in spite of that mistake, is not changing. Yep. But that's just conversation fun around the campfire to talk about the advantages and disadvantages and, and what people have experienced for themselves. And, and those stories are the, are the ones that you pull out of your pocket when something happens and you got to bust your buddy's chops a little bit. <laughs> well, you, know. you don't have to pull it out of your pocket. You're going to be able to watch it come next fall awesome. on Pure Hunting. Well, well, hey, you know, I've seen you kill more than your fair share. So there's no way is that going to change my perception of you as a hunter. Uh, we, all, we all deal with those kind of stories, but Thanks for sharing. Thanks yes. for joining. Of course, um, let us know again. Pure Honey, you, you got a lot of stuff on YouTube, yep. you know, on the website, additional content, social media. You know, Chris, you're on, on social media as well. But um, I encourage you to check them out. The YouTube channel is, is Pure Honey. Right. And the website, purehunting.com. Correct. So, hey, you know, they got some great gear too, by the way. <laughs> I'm digging it. So, thanks again, guys, for, for coming on and contributing. And look forward to just working more to get as the year progresses. Looking forward to our Wednesday nights. There you go, man. All right, All right. thanks, Phil, for everything. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. problem.